Hello and welcome Ooh. to the Three Plane Sports Podcast. Just three plane guys from the Great Plains talking a lot of sports, some sports betting, and maybe doing a little drinking along the way. I am your host, producer Dylan, joined by two massive Rex Burkhead fans. First, Marquise Noel, rookie card owner, Jacob Grove's agent, and Thug Jitsu practitioner, Colin. Good evening. Finally, taking a loss every time he leaves his house, just like the Kansas Jayhawks, Fran Frischilla's fluffer, and our own soccer <laughs> woge, Sam. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, we're recording this one on Thursday, February 8th, as the Campbell Camels prepare to take on the Northeastern Huskies in the John W. Pope Jr. Convocation Center. Sam's got that one on the TV ready to go. Go Campbells. Two humps. Okay. I can't say I do, but I, I got to give you credit, Dylan, for the taking a loss every time I leave my house line, because if I'm not mistaken, I didn't tell you guys about this, probably due to my own shame. Uh, but yesterday, <laughs> I actually set probably a personal record for the single stupidest fucking thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, certainly a contender. I was at home on my lunch break from work and uh, you know, heading out to return to my job. While I had been at home letting my dog out, I had set my wallet and keys down on the table uh, by my television. And these days, my front door's deadbolt no longer lines up, so I only use the little doorknob lock. Uh, please don't come kick my door in and kill me, anybody who's <laughs> listening to this pod. Uh, don't but, worry, uh, we don't have listeners. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, if you haven't already figured out, I got the drift of where this is going. I moseyed on out of my motherfucking house, twisted the doorknob lock shut, shut the door behind me, made the instinctual pat of the right pocket to grab my wallet and keys, and realized, oh shit, they're inside, and I am now locked out of my house and locked out of my car. And I had the great privilege of calling a locksmith to break into my own home. Um, at which point I did learn. I mean, there was no verification process here. Anybody with a, a, a shitty house and no security system, pay 80 bucks and these motherfuckers will break you in. No questions asked. <laughs> Just something to have in the back pocket. Yeah, maybe that's because you're white, Sam. Yeah, I think I established good trust. <laughs> um, so I got a little bit of news here. Uh, Rex Burkhead of uh nfl of uh, of nfl fame of the Bengals, patriots and texans and also of the nebraska corn huskers uh has, has uh, officially announced his retirement from the nfl after 10 seasons uh, i'm not going to say they were any groundbreaking seasons but i would say he was probably a, a solid role player at the very least but i do want to just share my absolute favorite memory of him as a nebraska football fan and probably my favorite era of Nebraska football that I've gotten to see, you know, that 2009 to 2012 kind of window. Uh, and probably one of my favorite college football players of all time. Uh, there's just this, and this is before he was even the featured running back uh, against Washington in 2010. He's just got this absolutely, uh, th- this play is going to absolutely fucking fall apart. Just wa- uh, walks into a wall of Washington defenders and then somehow comes out the other side, puts one hand on the ground to steady himself, finishes out for the touchdown. So, uh, I know they played uh, Oklahoma a few times in that span because they had two uh, Big 12 championships in his time with the uh, Cornhuskers. You guys have any Rex Burkhead memories, NFL or uh, college? Um, I do remember, I, I think at least on one occasion, I was desperate enough to pick him up in fantasy football, and he did, in fact, let me down. Uh, so, that, that's about it. I, I remember him being... <laughs> Uh, underwhelming, unremarkable, and not worth discussing upon his retirement from the National Football League. Well, I couldn't but... have told you he wasn't already retired. 
Well, he didn't play last year, so exactly. So he uh, was retired, uh, and it sounds like out of the not by will. Well, he has removed himself from the free agency pool. Uh, Very courageous. <laughs> hey, so. Oh man, it's not quite Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas level, but <laughs> he's not going to be tweeting about it every time somebody's running back gets hurt next year, just begging for a job. <laughs> well, he I mean, do he it did this have, year, which was his biggest opportunity. He did have that three touchdown weekend in uh, 2022, that three touchdown fantasy game. I'll take your word for, for it. Texans yeah, at the time. with the Texans. And he's got a Super Bowl ring. And he's got a Super Bowl ring. How many Super Bowl rings do you have, Sam? Uh, I don't have any Super Bowl rings. How many NFL touchdowns do you have? I don't have any NFL touchdowns. Look at at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not until we get them lined up. You know, like we talked about a few podcasts ago, get them lined up and and have Sam take bubble screens. I'm still waiting on the call, man. Put me out there. Uh, uh, keeping in the uh, college football realm here, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but uh, the, w- there's always a lot of conversation and arguments about uh, tampering now that we have the transfer portal and uh, transfers are kind of just open season free agency in a lot of cases. But the uh, CEO of Oklahoma's NIL Collective, who also, and that's, it's not only Oklahoma's NIL Collective, I guess he runs a ton of athletic NIL collectives across college football, uh, but he has uh, formally accused Mizzou of tampering with the recruitment of Caden Green to uh, convince him to enter the transfer portal to transfer to Missouri. Have you guys heard anything about this one? No, but it's not shocking. Well, I mean, Caden Green's from Missouri. Let's put that one out there. So going home is not like yeah. the most outrageous idea in the world. So I, I did hear that this guy said that. I, I can't say I've heard much else about like any any sort of recent developments here, other than him saying that. I mean, I think it's it's plenty obvious Mizzou tampered. I I don't think there's really any doubt about that. Um, and yeah, he is from Missouri. He uh, was high school teammates with uh, Williams Nwaneri, who was a, a I think the number one recruit, at least for a long time in this cycle, um, from Lee's Summit North, and he ended up committing to Mizzou, and so that that all kind of plays into it. I, I honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm certain they tampered. I, I honestly Who's don't not think that yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, so no. I, I kind of think I'm glad that this isn't just an OU guy, as you pointed out. Like he runs NIL collectives kind of all over the place, I, which that to me suggests like why is he even taking the time to say this shit? If it was just an OU guy, I'd be a little more embarrassed about him complaining about it. Because quite frankly, like I, I would imagine and I hope that we are are moving this cycle along. I mean, we we tamper with motherfuckers too. We better be. And we had some UCF kid. He didn't even he didn't even transfer here. But we when we went down to the bowl game in Orlando last year, coincidentally, this UCF kid was on an official visit to Norman like the next day. Uh, you know, <laughs> who knows how that you know that all happened came to be in in such quick succession. I mean, we do the shit too. I'm sure we tampered with Dion Burks. Uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. We we probably tampered with the kid from Washington too. I I mean, I fucking hope we did. It sucks to lose Caden Green, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's the landscape now. It, it's it's impossible to police. It's impossible to enforce. So if you're gonna sit around and just not be prepared for it and get upset when somebody tampers with your players. You're gonna fall behind. You, you you gotta think this is this has gotta come to a head soon, right? Like something's gotta give at some point. Nah, I, I don't know how, I don't know when, but 
something's got to happen, right? At some point. Like, we, we can't just have open season forever. Oh, I mean, someone's going to be the martyr for it because it's like a ref's losing control of a game or something. It's like... It won't be until someone fully fucking goes over the line or they pretend... Somebody dies. Well, they pretend someone went over the line to be able to punish them to re-regulate this shit. Because they they fucked this up so bad on any type of regulations that they've made a bigger mess for themselves. Yeah, and and it doesn't. It also doesn't help. I can't believe I'm saying this. That the NCAA has pretty much gone hands off on the whole fucking thing, with the exception of a few recent cases they've taken up against, like Florida State against Tennessee. But I think the NCAA, (laughs) the Florida State one, just seems vindictive. I think the NCAA has kind of just said, you know what, fuck it. Y'all wanted this. Y'all wanted us to not be involved. This is what happens. This is what you get. Enjoy your your open season college football free agency. Hope your hope your boosters can pay enough for you to field a decent team. Pretty much. I think if, if something has to give, which I, I don't know if I totally would agree that something has to give, but I think it would be a, a slight market adjustment, I guess, because we, we don't really know what the dollar figures are that are getting thrown around. And quite frankly, Caden Green seems like a pretty sound investment. And he was, he was, pretty damn impactful yeah. as a true freshman, you know, as five-star alignment there. There's plenty of reason to think he will continue to be impactful for Mizzou and be worth the, the money they spend. But not every highly rated talent and not even every talent that flashes as a freshman, you know, goes on, <clears throat> excuse me, to really be a star player. And I think after, you know, maybe a few cycles of recruits and programs sort of shelling out their boosters, shelling out this money and bringing in guys who just flat out don't work out for them, and they kind of have the chance to look in hindsight and go, we spent all this money and yielded virtually nothing for it, then you might slowly start to see, you know, the dollar figures kind of come down, and as a result, the the frequency with which one program is able to just basically steal another uh, program's player by putting a big fat fucking price tag in front of them, I think you could see that start to become a little less common. But, uh, I I mean, really, it's not going to go anywhere. I, I, I think... It's here to stay. The free agency, open season, it just might scale down a little bit. But this format, I think, is going nowhere. Maybe even restructures to how NIL deals are done, like you're saying, where the money might be lower, where it's almost either incentive, like incentive-based contracts, or like you get base pay your first year you know they and then each year you stay at the program your whatever money you're getting goes up or whatever yeah like, and there are, are going to be like clawbacks for you know if you're not enrolled at, at actually I don't think they can tie that shit in but like you have to some of them I've heard are tying in clauses of like you have to make physical appearances at X location <laughs> at like a specific frequency where I, dude, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm kind of pulling this off the top of my head, so I'm not going to have the facts super straight here. But I want to say there was some kid who he was either like UCF or, or one of the Florida schools, and not not like a you know a super great player by any means. He ended up transferring well, yeah, to a to smaller school in Florida to where he was a little bit more fit to be able to play. 
and I think he he had an NIL contract that was set up like that if he had to be making appearances like locally to his previous school that's put together with the thought of, you know, if he transfers out, he's not going to be able to just be here all the time. But he transferred so close by that he was able to continue to go fulfill his contract obligations and keep raking in that cash, even though he wasn't at the school that, you know, put that contract together for him. Uh, That's pretty funny. There's already, you know, little one-off instances of these sorts of situations and, you know, boosters or programs or whoever you want to say kind of trying to safeguard themselves. And, you know, there being clawbacks and stuff like that in the players' contracts. So, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how that all develops when there is no clear framework for exactly the way it has to be done. It, it does open up an interesting, kind of an interesting way of thinking about your recruiting class, though, where if I'm a coach and I have the the financial backing and the NIL backing to go over top, to go after high level transfers I almost would rather do that because they only get the free one-time transfer and it granted a lot of second and third transfers get approved but it's not just an automatic given like it is so okay if I recruit a high level uh, high school kid and all of a sudden okay he has a good year with me but he goes and moves on to a title contender team well, he he could just leave at will at that point if I take somebody who's high level who's a transfer and I can pay him enough he ain't going anywhere because he's going to have to wade through a bunch of bullshit to go somewhere else until he grad transfers at least. Yeah, I mean, there are coaches who are kind of taking that that philosophy. I mean, literally USC is one of them. Like Lincoln Riley's high school recruiting has kind of gone down the shitter to some extent. It's not like he, they, they're pulling a terrible class or anything like that, but uh, a, a lot of their, their NIL, which they, they don't have great NIL over there at USC from what I've heard, but that is kind of primarily focused on the transfer portal. And a lot of his recruiting efforts are focused on the transfer portal. And I think it's not a hundred percent what you're saying, Dylan, although I'm sure that weighs in that you kind of have that added reassurance of them not being able to bounce right away. But also, you know, just when a a recruit is not guaranteed to be there a full four years, you're kind of doing everything on a year to year basis a little more now than you ever were before. And it's just, you're getting more of a known quantity at that point. Like, I, I know this motherfucker is good and he can play at this level, so I want him in here right now to be good for me next season because that's really all I can take, you know, for gospel to have. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on from college football into the pros for a little bit. So uh, every every year around this time, we, uh, we start to hear who our uh, pro football Hall of Fame inductees are going to be for the year. So the three that have been announced, Sam, all Bears. Uh, we got Steve McMichael, Devin Hester, and Julius Peppers. Uh, the last two are guys that I definitely know and respect. I, I'm sure I would respect Steve McMichael if I knew more about him. <laughs> uh, but the, all three Bears, those are they're starting to trickle out names. Those are the first three to have been announced to be inducted into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame for this year. Nice. I actually only knew about Hester, but got to hand it to him for keeping it all Bears. You know, that's, that's how I would do it personally if I was a Hall of Fame voter. <laughs> so I really like what they got going there. But, man, I was thrilled to hear about Hester. I, I've been you know beating that drum, and a lot of people have. It's not a hot take. Uh, worried he was going to get overlooked because he's like a special teams guy. Yeah, because to me, he, he's he been, I think this was his second, maybe his third year on the ballot. Uh, and to me, it was like, if he's not going to make it the first time, 
why the fuck would he make it the second time? Because his status as the best is not really in jeopardy, and it was just more of a question of do we include this guy? Mm-hmm. So I was a little, I, I was put off by him being left out the first time, but whatever. Water under the bridge. He obviously deserves it, and and. He was my very first favorite athlete. I have plenty of, of nostalgia, respect, love for Devin Hester, so I, I am ecstatic that he is getting that honor. Uh, I want to say I think it is just outright embarrassing that he is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, fuck yeah. They, I mean, I know that well, was an yeah, but, layup. <laughs> fucking, but no. Colin, Colin probably also thinks he should have been inducted as a Falcon. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but no, it's, he. You know, special teams is absolutely a fucking part of the game. And he's literally the best fucking kick and punt returner to ever do it. And it's not like he needed to be a good wide receiver, too. That's ridiculous. The whole point is he should have gone in as a first ballot, easy, unanimous, whatever the fuck you want to say it, for being the best kick and punt returner, pretty much, that we've seen so far. Yes, sir. Like, you have Pro Bowl spots for these motherfuckers for a reason. Or at least used to. I don't know anymore with the fucking flag football shit but like i think they still do but like yeah they may maybe they recognize i think they probably recognize all positions still for that shit but he did he fucking deserves it for that so if you're gonna have a pro bowl shit where their positions are put in there all of those if you are the best at it for how long how fucking long he was it's it's just no brainer i mean fucking rivera was a was he unanimous you know best closer of all time okay like no one's criticizing if he like if he could start a game it's all about fucking what he did with his job like it's just ridiculous that that shit was a bit ridiculous that that is kind of wild to look back on uh sam basically reserving a roster spot for devin hester as a returner yes he was a wide receiver but i Correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't say he was particularly remarkable as a wide receiver. He was not much of a, of a route runner nor a pass catcher. Uh, he had his, his moments as a receiver, but yeah, I mean, he was not, I wouldn't even call him an above average wide receiver. He was just, he was playable at receiver. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's that crazy. I I mean, a lot of teams to this day, maybe I'm just, my, my perspective is warped by the Bears because they can't figure this shit out pretty much ever since Devin Hester. But I think a lot of teams do still have a, a return specialist on the roster who does very little else, if anything. I mean, the fucking Bears had Trent Taylor and Valus Jones Jr. on one roster this year and could barely feel the punt between the two of them. <laughs> so I, I don't think that's unheard of. I just, I do miss the days with, you know, with Hester at least making it feel very much worthwhile to have him on the roster as, as purely a return man. I mean, hell, he was, uh, I, I don't know if, if the average, I guess, football viewer or fan remembers or is aware of this, but Devin Hester was drafted as a corner. Like He, he oh, was a fuck. corner. In college, he was a corner. Couldn't have told you that. Yeah, he was a corner coming out, and he was he was ass at corner. So I mean, yeah, he truly was a return man. But he uh, had that he had that Patrick Peterson return, you know, magic. You know, Patrick, (laughs) Uh who actually played in the NFL as a cornerback. Yeah, he could actually cover people. I mean, the the last sort of guy that seems to be on a roster for his kick return for a while there, and he's still rostered by the Falcons. But Cordero Patterson, like. He and was he, able to stick around because he wasn't that good of you know a wide receiver either. He wasn't good, you yeah. know. He sort of had a renaissance there for a couple of years of being like a decent. He didn't know how to use him. Decent they running sure back, not. 
But overall, like Christian Ponder, I, mean, I think that's an, that's sort of an, an intriguing question to put. Is like, would you put induct Cordero Patterson into the Hall of Fame as like a kick returner as well? I, I don't think I there's something like yeah, a, because he holds me, the I, record. Yeah, he he actually is, and I, I despite all my love for Devin Hester, I, w- I would not argue Cordero Patterson is a better kickoff returner than Devin Hester was. Devin Hester, though, it was a one of the best kickoff returners of all time, and he was the best punt returner by such an unbelievable margin that it kind of all just weighs out into one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be on board for that argument, really. Cordero Patterson put him in. I mean, no, wait, wait. nobody has done that better. It just and, is it's kind of up to whether you want to lump in return man or if you do want to split it out into kick versus punt or whatever. But well, I mean, then you have Cordero. They do, yeah, you have Cordero Patterson. I mean, he also has. I, you can't call it Iron Man because he's not playing no all three parts of the game. But you know, he you go return punts, return kicks, and then go be an actual offensive contributor, like a legitimate offensive contributor on whatever team you're on. So, and I mean, we got five kickers in the fucking Hall of Fame. I, I mean, I think that number's probably low to some extent, but they're clearly getting some love. You got to give the fucking best at his position. I mean, just give him the love and do it the right way. Like, for that was that was like such a clear first ballot type thing. But it feel. I mean, I am less from the only Hall of Fame voting system I'm very familiar with is the MLB one. So NFL one, I'm a little more hazy on, so I don't know how hard it is to get first ballot and all that shit. But I feel like that's like one of the easy exceptions to put in there. Uh, turns yeah. out, uh, football writers not nearly as hoity-toity. You know, my shit don't stink as uh, baseball writers are. Baseball writers, writers. I, I swear, they, they take, they take legitimate pride writers. in just how much of a pain <laughs> in the ass they can be every Hall of Fame voting season. Yeah, like, Hall of Fame baseball writers are a bunch of pieces of shit. Like, filling I out a shitty ballot is their Christmas. <laughs> dude, yeah, no, it's just like, I mean, holy fuck. Just want, it, it never fails that whenever fucking ballots start getting revealed, you know, you got you got two or three guys just getting shit on for like a week straight for just absolute dog shit voting. Speaking of voting, I I know I yeah, we're going to take us I'm going to take us off this topic here. Speaking of voting, God, I can't remember who it was. I, I should have put this down as news, but uh, did you guys hear about the like the like the AP guy on the who gets to vote in the AP poll for basketball, like went on this campaign campaign saying uh, South Carolina absolutely should be ranked, and then didn't rank him on his own ballot. No, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> like somebody Jesus. looked it up, and he's like, "Oh yeah, shit, my bad. I'll get you guys next week." That's, that's pretty funny because they are yeah they are ranked. But I didn't see that someone was caping for him just to not fucking support it on a. A published ballot. God. <laughs> Must be nice to have that fucking job, man. You just say whatever the hell comes into your stupid fucking head, and that's that's the end of your duties. Arson judge is all you need to all you need to think about when you when you think about <laughs> sports writers and just tweeting whatever the fuck you think about. Uh, there you go, college. Just start tweeting whatever the whatever stupid thoughts you have. Doesn't have to be about betting. Just just throw it out on our Twitter page. Whatever stupid sports takes you have. Uh, That's Uh, probably a plentiful fucking basket to pick from. 
Better yet, you should buy us a blue check and start just replying with <laughs> absolutely <laughs> fucked up or ridiculous things to popular tweets so that we start getting a little bit of, <laughs> of uh, noticing and clout, pissing some people off, making I'm gonna a few just say waves. Which one of you doesn't want to potentially run for office down the road so I can just pin it on you? <laughs> I think I'm clear on that. And me we too, need something probably. to get us some notoriety because I, I was thinking Dylan's idea of me calling in from my phone since I was late getting back from work today and just like <laughs> crashing my car and dying on, on, on the pod would probably help a little bit. I could see us going viral all of a sudden, maybe catching a little following. That may be being my parting gift to you guys, but this would be maybe another way for us although, to get our name out there. That although I, you know, we would lose would the rest like of our you- listeners because you're probably the only reason anybody listens. That's that's almost certainly true. But, you know, hey, I, I like to think that once I give you guys the platform, you know, you can make it shine. Well, so um, it was – fuck, who was it? It was a Nets reporter today was in a, like a fucking spaces on Twitter and talking about the Dennis Schroeder uh, and fucking – What's his name? Spencer Didwitty swap. And got in a wreck. Dude, I was trying to play I I was trying to play that fucking video for myself. Remember right when Dylan restarted the pod here and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> like right as he, he as he, he opened the pod on this reshoot, I was trying to play that video and just like started cranking the volume up on my phone to hear it like right as he was like, Hello and welcome and I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, dude, I, I watched that one earlier. It's funny as shit. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Hall of Famers, uh, Ray Lewis, famously Hall of Famer, uh, he was at the uh, Pro Bowl this past week disguised as a janitor. It is not yet clear how many people he has murdered in Orlando, nor the motivations behind the killings. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that no one recognized him. One one of the guys, it might have been C.J. Stroud, was like, I thought you looked like Ray Lewis for a moment. <clears throat> that was Jamar Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's who it was. I mean, of... Like See, I would only be, two or three guys from that clip were sort of like, ah, you look like In all fairness, I would probably recognize Terrell Suggs long before I recognize Ray Rice. Or not Ray Rice, Ray Lewis. <laughs> I'd recognize <laughs> Ray Lewis. Suggs, really? Damn, I mean, uh, he's, no, he's, no very, he's, got a distinct, he's got a distinctive face. Yeah, like fair Ray enough. Lewis I guess I, I'd be more, more prone to recognize Ray Lewis, though. Uh, no speaking, we, we were kind of talking about this before the pod, and I, I wanted to wait for this. So on the topic of Ray Lewis and the Ravens, and Ray Rice, for that for that matter, uh, and uh, who now, Zay Flowers, now being arrested <laughs> for uh, some sort of domestic assault? Yeah. Uh, are, are the Ravens the new Raiders? Uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no. I mean... <laughs> They do like beating their wives over there, but uh, there, you, there's a lot more that goes into being the Raiders than I just mean, that. I think they've moved out of Oakland, and I think Baltimore is, one, much more of a shithole than Oakland was, and Baltimore is also much more of a shithole than Las Vegas is, I'm sure. I mean, I can see where you're going for culturally there, but I guess to me it's hard It's hard to say that like the, the Ravens are the new Raiders when the Ravens are still a respectable football team out there for the most part. But the, the uh, Raiders were, no, the Raiders were still, okay, I, I, like, we're still known as, like, a very rough team with a rough fan base, even when they were good. Yeah, but now, I mean, now they're now they're terrible. So, I mean, are we saying the Ravens are, like, the Raiders of the, I don't know, the 90s? Uh, yeah, sure. They're okay. kind of, I mean, 
got a I bunch guess. of criminals on the team. I, I just don't think I don't think they have quite historically. Like they got they got a little more to do, you know, because Ray Lewis ain't there anymore. You know, right? it's it's well, Zay Flowers is taking up uh, taking up slack. Yeah, he's well. We'll have to wait for the details to see if he really meant business or what. Speaking um, of uh, the Raiders, and I don't know if Dylan, you had this on the news, but did you see that nope. Montez Perfect came out and just said he straight up was trying to fucking <laughs> injure uh, the Steelers? Dude, he I, that that is why AB is not right anymore. I'm convinced oh, yeah. it's from that hit. Nah, dude, AB was a fucking nut job going back to college. Like, I, the, the Vontaze perfect thing definitely did not help, and AB is leaning into the fact that he probably has some serious CTE going on. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen his recent uh, habit of tweeting CTESPN <laughs> as a hashtag whenever he's just, like, posting his random inane shit on Twitter that he does all the time. Uh, but, nah, it's... He Wait. would love for everyone to believe it's all Burfecht's fault, but that's just who he is. Who was yeah, that? So here's the quote. I didn't hit people after the play all the time. Just the Steelers. Fuck the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's the guy you want on your fucking team. You may have to say afterwards, yeah, he is a piece of shit, but I mean, you don't want to be playing against him. You don't want to be a Steeler, at least, playing against him, apparently. <laughs> Did he pick a team for a fucking week or two while he was on the Raiders? Fucking it was probably the still Broncos the Steelers. Whenever <laughs> <laughs> they come to town. Yeah, yeah still, still in the AFC. So. Yeah. yeah we'll but he got years. suspended within like four games, right? Yeah. Like when he was playing with them. I think so. And see, the Raiders, like, uh, the Raiders, we it'd be disrespectful to the Raiders and what they've accomplished over there to say that the Ravens are matching it, I feel like. Because, I mean, we in one first round, right, I, I want to say it was the same year they took Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett. And Arnett gets to coast on nobody really remembering his ass because Henry Ruggs decided to, you know, burn a woman <laughs> to death and after driving 160 miles an hour hammer and he's in fucking jail right now. Damon Arnett was a first-round pick, and he, I mean, he absolutely tanked himself out of the league, like, posting posting pictures with guns and shit and just getting arrested all the time for stupid shit. I can't even really remember, but, I mean, the, the Raiders just have a way about them, man. The Ravens have a long <laughs> ways to go before they're going to get on that level. <laughs> fair, fair, fair I enough. can't remember the last Ravens first-rounder who was out of the league due to crime in, in, <laughs> within his rookie contract, and the Raiders did two in a year. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair well, enough. Maybe, maybe one of the other picks will get something catch up to him this summer, and they'll match that number with, say, Flowers and whoever. <laughs> Uh, so okay, the the Pro Bowl was la- you know tying this all together. We had the Pro Bowl last weekend, and we have the Super Bowl this upcoming weekend. We're going to talk about some betting lines later in the show. Uh, we also have this coming Sunday the Puppy Bowl at one p.m. Central. Uh, I saw something about having like cat cheerleaders and things calling for you. Um, and if you go to the website, if you go to Discovery, uh, the web the webpage for the Puppy Bowl, you can meet the players of Puppy Bowl. This is the twentieth Puppy Bowl. Uh, you have Bark Purdy, who's a Chihuahua mix. Uh, Chihuahuas, Chihuahuas, uh, like a winner. That's the only one that I can find with a football related name. Oh, you have Guy Ferrari, who's a, a Shepherd and Poodle mix, and then uh, nothing else. Oh. Oh, and and then finally, 
Patrick Mabones. You gotta give him credit. Those are some decent, decent names, at least. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Bark Purdy is nice and just like simple and straightforward enough that it wins out to me. Oh, Imagine yeah. going out to your front yard or, or your backyard, for that matter, calling for your dog, and you're just yelling "Bark!" and all your neighbors, <laughs> all, all your neighbors think you're a fucking idiot because you're just you're just sitting on your front porch barking, hoping your dog yeah. comes back. They've already seen some fucking empty uh, beer cans fall out of your driver's seat before, <laughs> so they just think you're fucking Whoa. tanked. Hold on, Colin. I don't think that's a universal experience. <laughs> Couldn't be me yet. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's what I have for news, but I also understand, not that I knew this on my own, but I also understand that today was the NBA tra- trade deadline. Uh, which one of you wants to take that? Because I've already forgotten which one of you told me you wanted to take it. I mean, I I'll have let all Colin kind of run us down the list, but I, I think you know, especially with our sort of regional um, affiliation, and arguably, I think this might be the biggest trade of the day. Uh, where I'd want to start is the Thunder, uh, because uh, I was the Thunder go inverse order. Oh, I was uh, okay, going to go with gonna... Doug McDermott. Okay, well, sorry. I, I, I am disrespecting Doug to imply that anything else could be the biggest trade of the day, so we will start there. Doug McDermott was traded back to the Indiana Pacers from the Spurs. I didn't even see what went in return. It couldn't have been much. Um, Dude, funny fair, enough, that one's fair, like, fair. This one's not even, in his that 30s. One's not even on uh, the NBA website for the trade tracker every official deal. <laughs> which, which is quite funny. It's forgot. Uh, let me. Yeah, because here are the ones Doug that they have Durham. posted, and it's. Uh, we'll we'll start with the shitty ones, which we don't have to add much to. It was Pistons get, uh, fucking Simon Fontanecchio or Fontecchio from the fucking Jazz for Kevin Knox. Uh, Sixers trade for Daniel. Uh, trade Daniel House Jr. to the Pistons, who I couldn't have told you was still in the league. He just got um, cut. After uh, the yeah, trade. that makes sense. Then we're down to pretty much like this one: the Raptors acquiring Olenek and Ochai Abaji from the Jazz for Otto Porter Jr., Bulls legend, and Kira <laughs> Lewis in a first. I will say that is a trade I wish the Thunder might have invested in because it seems pretty cheap, and we sort of Kelly Olenek was on our radar. Uh, yeah, we pick swapped the Mavs, uh, the Nets, and as I sort of mentioned, uh, the Nets acquired Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young for uh, Spencer Dinwiddie from the Raptors. Um, and then the big ones were the Knicks traded for uh, Bojan. Is it Bojan? Boyan? It's Boyan. Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks for with the Pistons for a bunch of their sort of bench guys and two future second rounders. I thought that was a pretty big one. And then I th- what the last one was, the last big one was the Thunder trading for Gordon Hayward from the Hornets, which is massive for the Thunder. Um, I really like that trade. I guess uh, PJ Washington, the Mavericks was another one. Oh yeah. But, but Hayward to the Thunder, I was a little bummed about one piece of this trade because we sent Trey Mann, known bum, outside of Summer League. Davis Bertans, uh, which we took on for fucking picks, or we took to move up in the draft. And Misich, which that one's sort of a bummer just because he was starting to lead our, our second team quite decently. And I thought we had a bigger uh, piece of shit on the bench 
that never developed in the name of uh, Pokashevsky that somehow stayed on this fucking team, which mind fucks me. But Gordon Hayward, massive. He could either start for us in the place of Josh Giddy, and Giddy sort of leads that second team, or he could be off the bench and be like a reliable sort of three, four for us. Yeah, I, I, I think I that's a really some... good move. Or sorry, go ahead, Dylan. Oh, you I, no, no, you go ahead first because I have some details on the uh, Pacer Spurs trade. <laughs> okay, all right, we'll circle back to old Doug McDermott. Uh, yeah, I, dude, I thought I thought the Gordon Hayward deal was, was great for the Thunder, and I can see where you're coming from with like Olenek and, and Abaji. You know, that could make sense too. I could see how those guys could could fit in, and yeah, it was a relatively cheap deal. Uh, with including Mitic in there. Uh, for Gordon Hayward, I'm curious if that – I haven't had the time, unfortunately, with how busy I was at work today to, to sort of read up on the contracts and all that. I would imagine he he probably had to go for salary matching purposes to make that lineup. That's maybe, pretty maybe much what not. it seems like, but I feel like Poku was probably in the same range of salary without looking at it because I think you just have to match 75%. Yeah, maybe. I, I'd have to look. I, I would imagine Mitzic makes probably at least double what Poku's making right now, but um, – Nevertheless, there also is the element of, you know, I, I, you would probably agree, good chance that the Hornets would rather have Mitic than have Poku just flat out for as far as what he's going to bring on the court. So maybe that was part of it too. But Yeah, uh, their uh, GM clearly rec- recognizes that Poku is a waste of fucking space. I think I think Hayward Hayward makes a lot of sense. He's like he's in that kind of nice range. Hey, he never even occurred to me as really a possibility, but like he's a guy who, you know, he's got sort of that name value to him. He's a vet, he's steady, consistent, all that good stuff, but isn't necessarily going to demand like just by by nature of who he is. Like he, you you don't need to feel obligated to give him a ton of minutes or a ton of shots. I feel like he can he can kind of just find his spot on this team. And frankly, I think there's a lot of lineups where it, it will just make sense and work. Yeah. I picture, you know, with all due respect to Josh Giddy, I picture the possession late in that Utah game. I want to say they lost the other day, where I mean, it, it's basically a five on four. Giddy's in the corner, and the Jazz are just pretending he isn't. He doesn't fucking exist out there in a one point game with like two minutes left, and he gets swung the ball and breaks an ugly ass three, and the Jazz take it back and extend the lead, and and that's the kind of shit that come postseason is just going to get exposed even harder and more repeatedly on a possession-to-possession basis. And that makes it pretty damn good in my eyes that, you know, the Thunder are going to have a built-in answer and a guy in Hayward who still has the same probably, you know, the same size as Giddy, but just kind of a different play style and what he brings to the court that it could be a more natural fit with a lot of combinations of who the Thunder are going to run on the floor. And, and less sketchy personal life. <laughs> that is true. Gordon Hayward is a family man. Uh, he has three daughters, at least. I'm just talking about the, the video of when they reveal that yeah, he has a third daughter, and he is just devastated. I was talking about that today. So when he got he got traded today while I was at work, and uh, my buddy that, that I work with was took it upon himself to start showing people the video of Gordon Hayward breaking his leg. Oh, like sh- oh was this Grant? Yeah, yeah, Grant, it was. Man, he goes around, he fucking, I'm sitting there we talking to, to this Grant girl I work with. He, he, he said he'd come on do Thunder at some point, we'll talk some NBA at some point, but when probably once football season's over, it would make more sense. We yeah. will have him on the pod. Anyhow, yeah, he went He went and was showing off all of this Gordon Hayward breaking his leg video to the girls in the office. And I, uh, I don't remember. I was having a separate conversation in the same room 
about uh, another guy in the office had the, these ultrasound pictures at his desk. He wasn't there. I was sitting at his desk, but he's got twins on the way, um, and it's two girls. And, and that, that that all sort of came together because Grant comes out, hey, look at Gordon Hayward breaking his fucking leg. And uh, we were talking about this shit, about the, the ultrasounds and, and how uh, – this guy that we work with, he, he wanted him and his wife both wanted at least one of their two twins that's on the way to be a son, and they are both girls. They found out, and uh, I, I was like, you know, ironically enough, this motherfucker who we're watching break his leg right now, he went viral a different time for this exact same scenario. There <laughs> wasn't it twins on the way, and they or was it just one on the it way? It was just another one, girl? and he's already and they already but had yeah. two girls. Yeah, it was all girls, and they, they he wanted a son so bad, and they, there's like Daddy's a viral. Happy. <laughs> they, they do the gender reveal and it's pink again and Gordon Hayward just looks dead inside and one of his little daughters is like daddy are you happy or whatever and he's like daddy's always happy and just like soul crushed <laughs> beats breaking your leg Gordon <laughs> yeah. well, well, well maybe if we get him on the pod we can ask would you rather snap your leg again or go back in time and have a boy okay there you go Colin that's your job to get tweet at gordon hayward to get him on the pod ah well our 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 twitter is very sinful in his eyes i'd assume so well yes gambling (laughs) maybe i'll run into him sam has to go back to his old job to maybe get his address after uh (laughs) (laughs) fall back on his social security number worst case scenario (laughs) so the only reason I, I, I circle back around to this is because it's kind of – it is a little bit comical. So the uh, Doug McDermott trade, uh, the Spurs are receiving Marcus Morris and a 2029 second-round pick from the Clippers. But it's pretty much expected that uh, Marcus Morris is going to get waived. So they're basically yep. trading <laughs> Doug McDermott for a second round pick five years in the future. This kid is in middle school that they're going to end up <laughs> yeah. selecting with that pick, and he probably sucks. <laughs> I don't know. Do, do more. I don't. I don't want to get too deep into this. Do more second round guys. Okay, so like lots of first round guys. I feel maybe not lots, but I feel like if you're straight out of high school, you're more likely to be like a first round guy. You know, or not straight out of high school, but like one, one and done. done. Yeah. No, you're probably right. <laughs> Versus your second rounders, probably guys have been in college for a while. You know, it's an interesting mix. Honestly, you're right. Or, there there or some, are you some start dude to see Estonia. Yeah, there's there's a good chunk of that. There is a good chunk of some of like the four and five year college guys who are just like objectively good, but don't totally you know project as NBA type of, of bodies or talents or whatever. Doug McDermott. Uh, <laughs> one of the doesn't... one of the best college basketball players, arguably in the modern era, not and just a well, he, okay he still NBA the, player. He still tricked the Bulls into trading two fucking lottery picks to move up and take his ass in the, in the <laughs> early first. So I wouldn't say he's really apples to apples, but uh, unfortunately, the, uh, there is a good chance you're right, Dylan, that whoever gets picked with that 2029 second <laughs> rounder may have cleared middle school by now, but we can't say for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, I just try to quickly Google like draft picks by or like players in NBA like by draft round, and nothing popped up on just a definite I mean, answer. That would be a cool statistical analysis project to take up because there's only two rounds to worry about. I, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> but that involves an effort that I don't care to put in. Speaking of 
uh, I will always take a, a good opportunity to say the words "fuck Adam Silver." Um, the NBA splitting their their draft night or their draft coverage up into two nights. <laughs> fucking shameful, dude. Come on, give me a fucking break, dude. No, like it, the NFL is one thing. A, there's so many players coming into the NFL, it has to take forever. It has to be split up into multiple days, and there's consistently you know gems that get hit throughout every round of the NFL draft. Dude, the NBA, Mr. I mean, yeah, relevance quarterbacking in a, a yeah. Super Bowl team. Yeah, and there's, I mean, tons, legitimately tons of, like, third, fourth, fifth-round guys just, like, go on to become solid starters in the NFL all the time. Uh, and it's not like second-rounders are never good in the NBA, but, like, But no one fucking really, cares when they're drafted. Yeah, when I mean, if you really have your hopes up for your team's second-rounder in the NBA, like, you're setting yourself up to be fucking disappointed, and... and I How cannot imagine. Team if that's yeah, I mean, we've obviously, for. you know, we've we've gone and, and like gotten drunk to watch the NBA draft and stuff before, and that's all fun and games. I cannot fathom doing that for night two of the draft. Not in a million <laughs> years. And I like that, like on on the current setup, you know, after it, it's nice, like round round one kind of winds down, and you have the second round there, and you can kind of follow it, whatever. You know, there's probably some players you know from college where you're intrigued to see where they land, maybe more so than you know seeing what every team does. Uh, NBA wise, but I, it's a joke, man. N- nobody gives a shit about the second round. I I hope that fucking five people tune in to the debut coverage of round two and Silver moves it back, man. When when did they make that change? Is that new for this <coughs> year be, or last uh, this year? year? Right? This will be. Yeah, I, I don't even. I'm not even certain. I think it does take place this year. It definitely has not been like that ever yet. I think they're starting it this year. It might even have been it a is. thing that they're going to do in a year or two. I don't know, but it's, it looks it's like coming. it'll be this year. Disgraceful. It and it said, yeah, two days. Disgusting. But no one fucking cares about the second round. Like I again, it. You know, down the road, a couple of years down the road, it, you know, some of those players are going to be relevant, absolutely, more than likely. But no one, no one gives a fuck to watch that. Like the whole reason you get people to watch the second round of the NBA draft is because they just leave the TV on. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, let's move out of the news. Our news ran long, but that, that's all, that's all right. It's some uh, some good shit going on there. Uh, let's move into something I like to call slow pitch, fast pitch, where I come up with takes for these guys. You have the slow pitch supposed to be a little bit of an easier buy, um, a lot easier to agree with, versus the fast pitch, which is supposed to be a hotter take. Some some weeks it's blazing hot, other weeks it's a little lukewarm. Uh, it's supposed to be a little harder to agree with. Uh, each guy gets theirs ahead of time, but they're blind reacting to the other's take. Uh, Colin, do you think you have the slow pitch or the fast pitch? I think I have the slow pitch, but I guess it depends on definitely perspective. Sam? Uh, I'd be lying if I said I remembered what the fuck you even sent to me, Dylan. Okay, we'll start <laughs> looking that one up. <laughs> uh, so let's get into the slow pitch. This is not the year Nebraska ball wins their first NCAA tournament game. Colin? <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is not a it. pretty easy uh, toss-up um, to I absolutely agree. Um, they seem to be improving, which is good, but the fact that they cannot win on the road at all, it appears, that's uh, not what you want to see from a team that's, I mean, just having to travel to the tournament. So... I don't know if they really have any data on the neutral court, but 
if it's anything like their away games, it just doesn't matter. They're going to get fucking smoked. But, oh well, still trending up. I'll go let you have that. Yeah, uh, we might be having a different conversation if they were able to pull that one off against Illinois where they, they took them to overtime, you know, lost by a single point. But then you go lose to Northwestern by double digits. That's not a good look. The problem is they look like such a great team at home at Pinnacle Bank Arena. I mean, they are they, they beat Purdue there, they beat Wisconsin there, and then they go on the road and they have zero momentum. You know, it's it's like they're they're a completely different team and I get it, you know, Nebraska fans are are it's a good fan base, so you get a good you get a good showing at home games, but man, do you think you'd carry a little bit of that momentum into the road? The only exception before I let Sam take this one um the only exception i can see is if they do make the tournament and they get sent to omaha because they will have basically a home court advantage at that point i don't know if the committee will do that technically the committee could because it's not their home court in omaha creighton can't be in omaha because they'd be playing at their home court but nebraska could theoretically be playing in omaha and i think they could have a chance then sam I would, uh, I'd say it's incredibly unlikely that they'll they'll put them in Omaha. But honestly, I don't know if I totally buy that. That's uh, imperative for them. It is hard to say if, like, you know, it's a, a road game issue or an away from home issue. I'm inclined to think it probably is an away from home issue. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'd buy the take if I if, if I had to bet on it. I certainly would not bet that Nebraska wins a tournament game this year. But their I, very I mean, first one. Things, Crazier things have happened, man. I, I think, A, I think they're good enough to make it. I don't, I don't know if they're projected in right now. They, they do need to go get a, a you know a, probably another big win or two, ideally on the road, for the resume. But, I mean, if they, if they, make, the, if they make it as like an 11 versus 6, a 10 versus 7, God forbid a 9 versus an 8, I mean, that, that it's going to be a matchup where they're not going to be overwhelmed. And all it takes is one or two guys getting hot. I mean, Tominaga, you know, he wants to if start he gets hot. four for four from deep. That game that, that game has taken a whole new look to it. I mean, all it takes is a few shots going in, momentum getting on your side. Crazier things really have happened. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going to buy the take, but I think this is the most capable Nebraska team I've ever seen, personally, yeah. to go win a tournament game. Well, so, I, oh, yeah. I, mean, I, would I say... agree. They definitely have a chance to win, no doubt, but... I could, if they lose, I feel like this is definitely Dylan. Did you are you backtracking off a previous take or a previous statement? I'm pretty sure on this. Well, Sam just said, you know, this is the most the best equipped Nebraska team. No, that 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 final Isaiah Roby's final year. That's a the few years back now. Um, I think they were as well equipped as they as they are now, and they missed the tournament. Probably shouldn't have, but that's all right. Uh, you know, it it just depends. Yeah, if Casey Tominaga is hot. There's he'll he'll put up thirty points and then they'd seem unstoppable. If Rink Mast has a good night, yeah, they'll probably have a pretty good night. But also against Northwestern, he didn't score in the entire first half. So it's uh <laughs> Who knows, maybe if you guys miss the tournament, which I think you guys should have a chance to make it at this point, still projected probably to be somewhere in there. You guys could be just some NIT powerhouses because aren't like the first round or two of that at your home fucking court? I, to be honest, I don't even know so how much. I think I... like the for at least the first round of NIT is typically at home. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, they do play. They do play NIT games at 
the school's gyms. Yeah. Because they, they know no one wants, they don't want to spend the money to have someone host them since it brings in very little money. I just yeah, the yeah. attendance will be worse if they just go put them to two, you know, mediocre fuck teams in a random stadium. Like, yeah. sending them to the home court. <laughs> uh, but the, the dream the is... The were not invited. The dream is still alive to have three te- three Nebraska teams in the NCAA tournament. You know, Nebraska is kind of wishy-washy whether or not they'll get in. Creighton assuredly will be in the tournament. And then, uh, hey, University of Nebraska-Omaha just has to win out their tournament to get that auto bid. And probably be a 16th seed and get bowled over by Purdue. So, hey, you better hope they run into Purdue. Yeah, it's like you just said the best team to play. Yeah. So, alrighty, uh, let's move on to the fast pitch. For my reminder that this is supposed to be the hotter take, a little harder to agree with. And uh, here it is: Patrick Mahomes is more likely to win three more Super Bowls than he is to win zero more Super Bowls. And you can include this upcoming Super Bowl since he has not won it yet. Sam? Yeah, you know what? I'm buying this shit. Wow. I, I, I genuinely believe it. Uh, I, I can see the hot take. I mean, A, if, if we're going to start here, like if, if we're comparing it, he's going to win three versus he's going to win zero. I mean, he's got shit, I don't know, like a – at least, like, I'd say a forty percent chance of going and winning one, you know, in a couple days and wiping that off the table. I, I think he's got a lot of career left in him. We have seen this is a uh, you know, it's always ridiculous to make the comparison, but he's making it a lot less ridiculous. We saw Tom Brady win seven and is spread out a cor- uh, you know across a long career. And Patrick Mahomes has a hell of a lot of career left in him. I mean, if he stays healthy, Mahomes is 28 right now. Brady played well into his 40s. Brady had a large gap in with he he won three and then kind of took you know a, a good chunky years spanning from like the mid 2000s to shit. I don't know when they won the next one. Uh, you know, or, like early to mid 2010s. Um, and he had the ACL injury 20, in between. Well, 2015 from the 2014 season. He, they beat the Seahawks, and then yeah, okay. he had a so lot, was of, pro, a lot of troubles like... with injuries. And then he, what, 17 or 8? No, 17 or 18? Yeah, 18 against the uh, – what, what year was the uh, the 28-3 <laughs> Falcons Super Bowl? Yeah, that was a Rex Burkhead uh, that was New England team. Was that, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, or sorry, actually it would have been 16-17, I'm yeah, thinking. That's what was, yeah, um, it, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was, it was, it was but, 2017. Yeah, I mean – Basically, we we saw Tom Brady fit two Hall of Fame careers into his career, arguably three. You know, some people have have cut up the stats and made that case. Um, I I don't see why Mahomes couldn't. Like, obviously, there Andy Reid's a part of it, and we don't know how long, how much longer Andy Reid will be around for. But it's very possible that he could stick out the majority uh, or all of Mahomes' career if that's what he set his mind to. I and with how good they are, even right now, when like the offense around him is kind of lacking. Um, although obviously the defense is really damn good. Uh, it, it just, to me, you know, we have seen Kansas city consistently, you know, uh, finish seasons really well, go play in the playoffs and play well, beat good teams in the postseason. They've been doing it at home forever this year. They had to do it on the road. They keep rising to the occasion. Mahomes playoff stats are insane. You know, he, he's played like an MVP, basically across a season's worth of postseason games. I feel like I maybe talked about that on the last pod. 
but yeah, yeah. his his it, playoff stats are better than a lot of quarterbacks' regular season stats where the stakes aren't nearly as high. Both, and, yeah, and your I mean, competition he, is on average not as good. Yeah, I mean he's had basically an All Pro season, uh, you know, uh, of playoff games, which is fucking insane. Because like you're saying, you're playing good teams basically every single time, with you know almost mm-hmm. no exception. And he has gone out there and played fucking fantastic. I think honestly, if he, I mean, if he plays till he's forty, I he's gonna be in. I'd be shocked if he's not in another four or five Super Bowls. Honestly, so I mean. Whether he wins three of them, that, that's a tall task. But there's a very good chance he checks one off just in a couple of days here. And then you're saying he's got another, you know, 10, 15 years to win two rings. The way we've been seeing him just dominate the NFL <laughs> basically since the moment he stepped into the position. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he's got it in him. Colin, what do you think? Yeah, no, um, unless he has a just career-ruining injury or one just gets bored and decides to retire, like, early, or whatever early you would consider. But, like, we have one. He's got this one with one of his worst offenses that he's had as a pro, and he's still getting them there. Obviously, the defense is really good, but you still have to score points to fucking win games. It's just, it's tough to see, like, it's tough to believe that he won't at least win one in the next three years if you... Like, including this weekend, he's probably going to win one in the next three years. And it do, and as it's sort of shown is it doesn't matter with a team around him, he's going to be able to get, at least offensively, he's going to be able to get him there. So, and, you know, all like, oh, it doesn't, I feel like their wide receiving core can't get really worse over, like, their next offseason. Like, the only thing is, like, maybe Kelsey retiring could be a hindrance to him, but... Yeah, they've, they've done okay when he's injured, though. You know, uh, yeah, what's exactly. it, is, like, is it Noah Gray? What's his first name? Noah Gray. Yeah, he, Noah he's been, Gray. And? Uh, maybe he's not a Kelsey replacement, but... Okay, yes, Blake Bell. But, like, Noah Blake Gray Bell. is <laughs> the one who has been featured, yeah. you know, either opposite of Travis Kelsey or when Travis Kelsey's not on the field, and he's been serviceable at the very yeah. least late oh, in the yeah, season, you, you know? And you have to figure, like, Kelsey, for starters, probably has at least a couple more years in him. And beyond that, like, KC surely is going to see, you know, they need to continue to invest in weapons for Mahomes. Like, I, I if if and when Kelsey retires, there's no way that they're going to have a receiver core around him that is as bad as what they've got right now. Like, they, you know, they're going to know we need to have an alpha receiver, whether it's a tight end or a wide receiver by trade. You know, so there's got to be a star here to, to sort of run that, the show with, with that, that. That brings me an interesting question. Do you think Kansas City, uh, for that reason, do you think we're going to see a string of either very, very high round draft picks or a string of undrafted free agent running backs coming through Kansas City? Um, so uh, as far as high round draft picks, receivers? are you talking running back? I, I, I mean, too? I mean, numerically high running back draft picks. Sorry, or undrafted no, free, I, just so they can save money at running back. Okay, well, okay. Oh, so, okay. Sorry, I, I wasn't clear enough. Yeah. I, I, when I say I, high draft I pick, so. I should have said I, numerically I high. Vi- I see the vision for what you're going for now, and I didn't Late see when you mentioned yeah. the running backs. I got thrown <laughs> off. Okay, I I do follow you. I mean, yeah, I think so. We've already kind of seen it in action with Isaiah Pacheco. I don't remember if he was seventh or undrafted, but I mean, he you know he was very unheralded. Rutgers. 
it, it, running back is the is a position where you can kind of find talent like that. I think, especially you know, for a team like KC, they, they're going to continue to try and play that game and you know ride out what they get with Pacheco for a couple of years. Get get another guy, bring a, probably a couple more into the fold like that. You're gonna I see guys gonna on see rookie deals forever. You know, yeah. you're just gonna see a I, string of rookie deal running backs coming yeah. through Kansas City. You're not gonna see running backs get paid substantial money on a second contract in Kansas City. You might see guys, if and when we get to this point where you they know, want to running they backs are leaving their teams in free agency, they might come to Kansas City on a discount. I wouldn't rule that out entirely. I think you're gonna see though KC spending high draft capital, so like early round draft mm-hmm. capital, on receivers in these next couple of years. I'd be pretty surprised if they don't spend a first rounder on a wide receiver this year, and I think they'll continue to do that to sort of build that offense back out around Mahomes and continue to try to supplement the defense as they have with good you know, day two picks, free agency acquisitions, stuff like that. Brett Veach has done a really good job running the managing the roster. you got to hand it to him. The fact that Kansas City is kind of a defensive identity team is kind of a mind fuck, honestly, with yeah. what we've seen out of them for the past half decade. So I, I've got to tip my hat to them, and it, it, it makes me believe that what they have there is sustainable with how smoothly they were kind of able to transition from a loaded offensive juggernaut to scaling back the investment on the offense and building up the defense to be able to play at that level and let Mahomes just kind of do his thing to, to get the points on the board and turn that good defensive showing into a win just about every week. I'm impressed with what they're doing in KC for sure. I think I think they're going to continue to reap the rewards of that, continue to contend, win a lot of games, play in the playoffs a lot, play at home in the playoffs a lot, make the Super Bowl a number of more times, and probably win a few more. The, I want to ask both of you one last question here on this uh, on this topic. Okay, so I, I picked the number three more Super Bowls, right? And you both bought it. Colin, how many would I have had? Uh, what, what was the number where you would no longer buy at? I, I mean, four, I think. I I could have stopped. I would have been a little more hesitant of. Um, I, I think it's much more, imp- like, just, and even then I don't know because it, it's already putting up just ridiculous numbers. And if you had, like, if you're just being told how many, do you, how many more you think he gets. Just how many more Super Bowl rings do you think he gets over the course of his career? Blank number, not, you know, zero or three, which one's more likely. What are you putting that number at? And it, it's just very difficult to predict. But also, you've seen him just time and time again be there. So, and it seems like these other teams just don't get it right. And these, and it's with what is probably one of the strongest AFC, like, group young talents um, as competitors as it could be. So there's a chance as long as hit. Yeah. As I said, like earlier, he doesn't have any issues like injury issues or, um, he doesn't, you know, have talent drop off. I, and he's proven so far that it doesn't look like that's going to happen. The other teams around him might drop off more and give him more opportunities to be there each year. So, it's just really difficult to predict. I would just lean on the, probably the side of the over on any. I would say five. I would heavily be under four. I could go either way. Three. I'm confident to bet the over on, like over two and a half. Okay, Sam. So I'm going to ask you the same question. What number would have I would I have had to put in that text to make you sell the take? I probably would have sold it for honestly. Okay. 
I think the if we're talking, Colin was framing it as an over under. I wouldn't necessarily sit here and bet an over two and a half Super Bowls for Mahomes either. But if you're comparing it the way you put the take, Dylan, is as opposed to the likelihood of him being shut out from this day forward, never getting another ring. That seems fairly far fetched to me. Uh, so so it's just kind of even in those two out because I mean four rings is pretty fucking far fetched as well. Four more rings, getting him to six. It's pretty far-fetched, but hard to rule it out. And I, I do think that probably three was the sweet spot for you to put this take out there. All right. Sounds like four might have been okay, too. Uh, while Okay, so we're talking about odds. We're talking about the Super Bowl. We kind of teased this last week. We were going to come in with some Super Bowl lines. I was kind of hoping, as I'm sure you guys were, that we would have some um, – non-football-related props, you know, the national anthem, you know, how many, uh, how many like, nip-slips at the uh, Super Bowl halftime show or, or whatnot. I can't fucking find any of that on the sports books I use. Maybe they're not out yet. Um, let me... Yeah, oh, my I God, didn't it's see Usher's it nipple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's scandalous. I didn't, I didn't see, like, the... What's it called? The national anthem... But the guy that I usually post the prop sheet, I just, I think I saw him post it today, and I forgot to grab it. So maybe ah. he has a number. Maybe he has a number on there, but I couldn't tell you for certain. We should post our prop sheets to the Twitter. Um, let, let me, okay, well, let me get it started because I guess this is all going to be football related at this point. Let's just start with the basics. Um, the, the, the 49ers are two and a half point favorites over the chiefs you know your money line is going to be somewhere around minus 125 to minus 150 on the 49ers depending on where you look and then you can get the kansas city chiefs about plus 100 plus 110 plus 120 depending on where you look uh the over under that i'm seeing is set at 47 and a half in most places so maybe you guys have something a little different but um I know Sam mentioned earlier he likes Chiefs money line. I don't think I'm confident enough because, you know, the spread's so tight and uh, I'm not confident enough in one team or the other in this matchup that I'll probably avoid that one. I'd kind of like the over even with the defensive prowess of both these teams. Yeah, I mean, we saw the Niners defense look like shit against the Lions. And if their offense hums, then doesn't like the Chiefs have issues on defense. There's a chance that over fly it flies over. So I, I could see that. That's not one I have on my list. I do, and I do. I haven't locked any of these in, but they were sort of some of my first thoughts. But I do have Niners money line jotted down. It's neg one thirty, but I just I don't feel comfortable on either side at the moment to place my bet. I will probably have placed a bet on one of the teams to win day of i just don't know what i i this is just such a tough one with because of how both sort of championship games uh broke down that i want to still bet the niners because they came back but their defense looked shoddy and you saw the chiefs just fucking stonewall lamar and the ravens so it's tough to sell the chiefs as a dog i think i i i think if the chiefs were the favored team I would have more confidence betting the Niners. The Niners being favored makes me hesitant to bet the Niners. I, I don't, it's just not the greatest bit of logic in my head, but it has me confused on who I think ends up winning this game. It's just such a tough one to call. 
for me, I, I've got Chiefs money line. It was the first thing I wrote down. And at this point, maybe I sound like a dick rider. I've been sitting here saying, oh, well, you know, Mahomes is going to win, you know, another three titles. He's so fucking good. The Chiefs are so well managed, all this shit. But it just feels like you're looking a gift horse in the mouth, I guess, if you don't want to take the Chiefs as an underdog at this point. I mean, what exactly. else do they have no, to that's do? That's why I don't they, have got, They just in. went on the road and won their way to the Super Bowl. You know, they beat whoever the fuck they had to. And yeah, the Niners, the Niners are a damn good team. They're certainly not unbeatable. We saw Baltimore make them look bad. I mean, we saw Green Bay and Detroit make them look bad in these playoffs, but they were able to sneak past both of those teams. I, I To me, I think obviously it's possible the Niners are going to win, but the Chiefs as a dog is too good a value to pass up. And uh, I did have uh, I did have Travis Kelsey as the first touchdown at plus six hundred. If we're going for a little bit of a reach on a prop, I thought that he looked like the best value there. And I've seen him. I feel like I'm pulling this out of my ass, but I I think he scored the first touchdown at least one of these playoff games. And, and the Chiefs do a, a conscious job of getting him involved. Plus, you know that you know everybody's just going to be fucking losing their minds seeing Taylor Swift. You know if Travis Kelsey scores the first touchdown in the Super Bowl, so you got to weigh that in too. Um, I, I do, do kind of like so, the plus six hundred there. Well, so I I'll, I'll one up you on that one just because I had sort of similar thought processes uh, or thought process on that one, which was Travis Kelsey uh, Super Bowl MVP at plus eleven hundred. Um, that one might be a little bit of a stretch. I could see it. It's this. I think it's the story of like obviously Mahomes will be behind any of that, but like he was definitely making some big plays for them against the Ravens. And if he does that again in the Super Bowl, plus sort of the just the corny storylines that are given to him right now, it's it's not far fetched. It's I, I mean, is it? It's obviously a plus eleven hundred. It's not that fucking much of a sure thing but i think of all the guys to really have value it was one i i thought i saw and was like holy shit i can't can't believe that is uh that high i mean mccaffrey is plus 400 which it's pretty much betting on the second most like potential valuable player on each team and obviously i think mccaffrey is more valuable than purdy but obviously quarterbacks get more love in that realm so, because Mahomes is 121, Purdy's 189, so obviously they suck off the quarterbacks, because if they have a good game, typically your receivers and stuff have one, but Travis, like, with how sort of weak the receiving core is for the Chiefs, sort of, if, if they don't play too well on him, then he could have a fucking ridiculous game. I will say, saying that, someone like Fred Warner you wanted to go high flying defensive uh or just high odds defensive guy he's plus 13,000 he might be the guy resulting in locking down Kelsey and if they try to force feed Kelsey who knows he has a pick or two and it you know something ridiculous happens that's sort of maybe the the flip side of it these are obvious long shots but I get like you it, there's a scenario, a plausible scenario of being able to be seen sort of getting at least to the Kelsey one. There, so what, uh, if we're looking at linebackers, what are Dre Greenlaw's odds? Do you, <laughs> you think Dre Greenlaw would have won the uh, divisional round MVP for his two picks against uh, Green Bay? Uh, let me see. i got to look up his name. I mean, there's a chance. I, 
Um, he's plus forty one thousand. Jesus. So I, I mean, get crazy if you want to. Obviously, get yourself was... a motherfucking boat. <laughs> but that was like one of the that was my biggest like high odds prop that I saw and liked. I will say I have. What one, two, three, four? I have five other ones. One obviously on the coin toss because you're not American if you're not betting on the coin toss, in which we will be betting tails. Um, and then, sort of an intriguing. Both of these are sort of tandem and intriguing. Um, the jersey number over under on the first touchdown. Oh my is gosh! Twenty two and a half. Which then, and that's twenty two and a half neg one twenty for the over. But that's giving you Kelsey and McCaffrey and Kittle. Like, I feel like the most reliable options for some of the, like, to score. Obviously, Ayuk and Debo are under on that. The wide receivers for the Chiefs, I'm pretty sure, are all under that. But I feel yeah, like when you Pacheco look at... Pacheco, too, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, spe- but I think if you look at touchdowns for the season three of the top like five would probably be over on that without looking up the exact numbers uh speaking of yeah, that's not a bad bit speaking of touchdown scores there are some not terrible anytime td lines here uh you can get isaiah pacheco for minus 125 not very, not juicy but not terrible for somebody who I feel is likely to find their way into the end zone. Travis Kelsey's minus 105, so you get almost even money on him, which seems surprising. Uh, and then the other two that I, I was looking at, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, you can get you can get plus money on both those guys. Plus 140 for Debo and uh, plus 155 for Ayuk. Not bad. I uh, like Kelsey on there. That's I, I, Kelsey being cheaper than Pacheco is is a little surprising to me. Uh, there's also kind of a wild card here. You can get Juwan Jennings for plus seven hundred, and you know he's kind of sparked a little bit, you know, here on that Forty ers team. So that that could be a kind of a flyer anytime I mean, PD score. He loves to forget about Ayuk here and there, so. Yeah. And you know, to me, now granted, there's I have absolutely no data to back this up, but it seems like in uh, you always get somebody in a Super Bowl where you haven't noticed him a whole lot throughout the year, and he ends up, you know, yeah. There's, I mean, playing yeah, a, playing I, a big I, yeah, role. So Juwan Jennings seems like he could he could fit that mold in the Super Bowl. I'd have to go back. I'm trying to go pull the odds again right now, but I did see uh, surprisingly. A listing for Red River quarterbacking legend Braden Willis for an anytime <laughs> touchdown <laughs> score, um, and that Plus one was thirty one hundred. Pretty damn juicy. I think it was more than that. Well, what I'm looking uh, at is uh, plus, plus eighty five hundred. I'm looking damn, at plus thirty one. That's not even as good as Blake Bell. Blake, I, I see Blake Bell at plus three thousand. So damn, you guys are getting sucks. juicier I, I get him at lines. 10, Braden Willis eighty five hundred. Yeah, my books are a lot more convenient. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um i will say so one of the other so i a couple other ones i have was the total touchdown jersey numbers at uh over 121 and a half that one's fucking shit you are you're leaning deep into degenerate territory with those is that not what he told us to fucking do sam that is that is what he told us to do i would like the record to reflect that i had seen the first touchdown jersey odds like earlier this week posted by someone maybe like bleacher report or some shit but i was like stumbled across this one 
And I sort of like it because as long as it's like looking at it, it's really hard. I feel like I, if you, especially if you want to bet the over, this is almost a safer odds bet than the over because you only need really three touchdowns with one of them being (laughs) a tight end to hit that number. Um, So that one I was on and then my last two so that I can, Wrap my my bets would have been Clyde Edwards Hilaire over six and a half rushing yards at Meg one oh six. Throwing away your uh, money on that one. He's hit it two out of the three <laughs> playoff games. Well, what's what's the uh, line with again? ease over six and a half rushing oh, okay, yards. Okay, okay. All he has to do is break one run and uh and not get against stuffed Miami after uh, that. against Miami he had twenty one. Uh, against the Bills he had thirty one yards on fucking two carries. And it was Baltimore that stopped him. He had one carry for one yard. But, it I mean, it's sort of, it's practically even money. I'm not too concerned on that one. And then my last one was Chiefs uh, to get over two and a half sacks. Um, maybe the lights get too bright for Purdy. Um, the Chiefs defense has, we've, we've been fucking talking great shit about the uh, Chiefs defense. They had four sacks on Lamar, and Lamar tries to be a bit more dynamic, which obviously doesn't help that number but it's still still you know they could get three i i could see that happening i wouldn't say with total ease but i see i think it's plausible for sure here's an intriguing one to me uh actually two of these here and i would pick one or the other uh i get uh it's a game special kind of a combination first td uh christian mccaffrey isaiah pacheco or travis kelsey to score the first touchdown or you can get that at plus 105 so even money or you can get christian mccaffrey as a pacheco and rasheed rice uh at 115 to you yeah. know get three of them out of there yeah give me travis i i would agree take the i'd take the 105 on that one it's not a bad bet though yeah i mean you cover a decent amount of ground with those guys yeah um although it's still gonna be it's gonna end up being somebody that we've never you know paid attention to or something you know <laughs> it'll be your boy noah Bray. Johnny yeah. Bell, heard it here first. Blake Bell. What is Blake Bell's touchdown? Do we already we said Blake Bell's touchdown, right? It was like plus three thousand is what Dylan said. Oh, it's not even listed online. I would have to go look into it further, but now I I think uh, Blake Bell plus twenty four hundred to get a touchdown. What but, what can I get? Randy Gregory for the scoop and score touchdown on the 49ers. What can I get him at? <laughs> it's got to be juicy. It's got to be like plus, gonna, plus 110,000. What's going to suck is when he does it and you didn't bet it and you're just sitting there with your fucking <laughs> jaw dropped on Sunday yeah. night. Like, you can't be fucking serious. <laughs> yeah, someone totally was telling their friend... Uh, before the fucking Steelers uh, Cardinals Super Bowl, James Harrison, yeah, touched interception touchdown and didn't do it and just regrets it to this day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's. Uh, I got one last question to ask both of you. We've done this before, um, but I need your oddly specific prediction for the Super Bowl. I mean, really get down into the weeds. Sam, what's your oddly specific Super Bowl prediction? I, I love being put on the spot for just some ridiculous <laughs> shit. Um, 
Let me think. It doesn't have to be know. remarkable. It just has to be oddly specific. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> let's see. All right. Brock Purdy gets injured, uh, and Sam Darnold runs home a touchdown. Okay. Uh, in what quarter to finish it out? Uh, the third. Okay, we'll take the touchdown. If you if either one of those happens in the third quarter, I'll give you credit. All right. All right so then to me, yeah, I'll go with Jake uh, Brock Purdy will lead the Niners down on a fucking like two minute drill touchdown drive to tie the game, just for Jake Moody to miss his second extra point all season and cost them a chance at overtime. Okay. Sixty right. out of sixty one extra points made. So the, so they're coming they're coming from behind on this and they need Yeah, yeah. okay. Purdy does okay. his bit like really it. solidify everything about like MVP him not quality. Being yeah, yeah. Like him being legit just for his kicker to fucking shank his second extra point all year, which fuck sixty out of sixty one's fucking absurd. It's I really like not that absurd. I mean, it's not, but, like, the percentage, like, number of you going, oh, there's no way in hell. It's, like, probably 2% of the time, uh, like, 3.5% of the time he, he's missed one, and it's going to be the Super Bowl that he does it again. Yeah, you got you went from warm to cold there a little bit. But uh, regardless, I, I, I like the prediction, and I can assure you I was fucking butthurt about it when he did miss his one point after this year because I had him in fantasy and I couldn't buy a 10-point week out of that prick. <laughs> Alrighty, I got one. This is going to be in the second the second quarter in the last last three minutes. Um, the uh, you know the the 49ers have the lead and they want to get into the locker room at halftime with the lead, but the uh, the Chiefs are driving and on a they're going to go for it on the Chiefs are going to go for it on fourth down and. I will say, you know, let's make it really oddly specific. Let's say Randy Gregory gets the quarterback pressure and Pat Mahomes has an incomplete pass on fourth down, but Randy Gregory gets called for roughing the passer to extend the Chiefs drive and they end up scoring uh, a touch. No, they end up scoring a field goal on that drive. That was oddly specific, but you also did not paint a picture somehow. Yeah. He stumbled through it so bad yeah. that I'm like, I don't really know what he just fucking described. So less, well, less than three is- minutes in the second quarter, uh, Chiefs are trailing. Uh, they are going for it on fourth down to try to score and get up before halftime. Randy Gregory forces an incomplete pass, but also gets called for uh, roughing the passer giving the Chiefs the first down, and then they end up with a field goal to go ahead or tie it up. Okay. How does that impact the ending of the game? Well, it's an oddly specific, it's an oddly <laughs> specific prediction. I didn't say I had to. Well, yeah. will, it, will it cost the Niners the game? Probably. <laughs> All righty. Any last words, Sam? Uh, I got nothing. Colin? Nothing. Alrighty, and that will conclude our garbage sports opinions for tonight. Go check out our Twitter at Three Plains SB. That's at the number three P L A I N S S B to keep up with our sports betting adventures and spreadsheet. And keep an eye out for future episodes on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever the hell else you get your podcasts from. And remember, quitters never win big, and big winners never quit. We're out of here.